This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic. Craziness. No time. No fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform, perform. Perform. Harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure. No time. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Efficiency On Demand. Today, I have a really, really awesome guest. I'm super excited to have him on the show because I follow him for, well, I would say, over three years for sure. Not that I'm stalking, but you know how it is online. <laughs> so he's in the obviously in the online entrepreneurial space and he's doing a lot of things. But then the I think the reason why I followed him was especially for his contributions to online magazines like The Entrepreneur. Um, so yeah, welcome Imi Tariq. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm on it. So it's really early for you. We're going to keep this as soft as possible for you. <laughs> Did you have a coffee already? I don't drink coffee at all. Oh, good, good, good. I actually do only cream tea and matcha. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, do you do you have anything for you to keep like being awake My or energetic? Cocktail, custom made. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, I guess in the US, that's a little bit different than over here in Asia. We just, you know, we go out and have some coconuts cracked open. <laughs> so before we get deep into your story, tell us a little bit about what you're actually doing, who you are. Okay. So what I do day to day is really, I, I like to call myself a connector, a networker. Mm-hmm. I just try to connect people with other things and make deals happen. And I focus on buying companies up and scaling them. Awesome. And them. Yeah. And keeping them? Yeah. Yeah. So how many businesses do you have right now? I got six online companies. Two of them are kind of the face of. The others are not. I, I like to be in the background. I just got rid of a bunch and I'm going to offline instead. And I'm buying seven companies up right now in Miami. Right. So you are where exactly right now in the world? Um, in Florida. Right. But that's not where you're from, is it correct? No, I was, raised, I was born and raised in London. Right. Tell me a little bit about London. London. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's always raining and it's fucking cold. That's all I've got to say about it. And it's miserable. <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel you, right? I'm from Germany, so we're like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's cold and it's miserable and it's high taxes and I'm very happy to leave it. <laughs> so when did you leave London and why? I left London in 2015 where I was going to go initially was going to Boston to go to Harvard but I met my wife just before um, well before that and I started going to Indiana to be with her Indiana? How was that? Yeah. 
interesting experience is what I gotta say. It was an interesting experience and it was miserable weather as well in a different way because it's hotter than Florida in the summer and it's freezing in the winter, minus 30 in the winter. Right. So tell us a little bit about how you are connecting people and how you get even to like build a network like this where it can, this is also what you've done with me. Just go out and be like, oh, here are like 20 people that you definitely need to know. And people trust you that much that they'd be like, oh yeah, okay. I want to meet this person as well, you know? What it is, is I care about my network so carefully and who I associate with and everything I do is scrutinized very heavily. So when I make a move, I have to make sure that if I'm putting my name behind it or my decision is going to be to the benefit of others, not myself. I try to stay in the shadows. I like to be in the background. I like to really help others connect and bring the person together. Interesting. They saying I always have in the um, media even. If you look at history, especially in Europe, if you look at every single king and queen, because they were the ones who were the ones with the power in the public eye, but the ones who got killed in the rebellions. Yeah. And if you're not the most powerful in the room, you're always the one who's going to die anyway. If you yeah. based on history. So I like to be the most powerful behind the shadows and I like to connect people and so I can stay safe, but also I can still make things happen in a good way. Mm. Plus, I, I stay quiet. No one knows who I am and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I love what it comes that. down to is and then day, it's about win win for everybody. Yeah. You've got win win win, your life is easy. That's the only mentality I have is win win win. Yeah, I totally love that. So let's go back a little bit of how you got started to even get into the online entrepreneurial space and you know, figuring out your way up to where you are right now. So with the online space, I Came over from to Indiana, and I basically had no social security number, no credit, no nothing. I lost everything from London, all my credit there, because the currency crashed there. It went from 1.6 down to 1.3 when I moved, about two weeks before I moved. So it was the worst time for me. And I'm like, okay, so now I lost all my funding, I lost all my thing. I'm like, if I go back, I basically am screwed, because <laughs> I'm going to lose more money. So I was like, okay, I've got to figure out a way to make money in the U.S., and my wife, didn't, who was my girlfriend at the time, didn't have any credit either. So I couldn't even borrow that and I had no connections. So I said, okay, I have to get crafty. Like I did when my dad died, I had to figure out a way to find a way to get make money. So I said, all right, let's go crazy and go and find the best mentor I could find so you can teach me how to make money. I was actually wasn't even interested in the online world or knew that it even existed when I came in 2015. The whole thing was foreign to me. I didn't know Google, what Google AdWords were. That's how new I was to the internet. Like I knew computers, how to use BitTorrent and all of that and fix them, like the technical stuff and even hacking. But you asked me one thing about marketing, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, Bob, I paid him um, 50 grand up front and another 10 grand afterwards. He put me in the online space and he taught, told me, if I can learn how to drive traffic, I can learn how to make money always. And that was basically my start in the online space. And I studied for one year, since I couldn't work because I didn't have a social security number, I studied everything I could for one year. Wow. I obsessed. And I was studying for 19 hours a day, seven days a week. Because I, one, I had put a massive house with stupid bills on it. And two, we just got married a couple months after anyway. And three, I had a hunger because I felt like I was missing out on time because I was so focused on medical school and I dropped out. I feel like I'm wasting all these years. So I really had the hunger to catch up and go right. ahead. 
Right. So you just mentioned that the time when your dad died, you had to already learn how to make money and probably help your family out, I guess. So it wasn't the first time I feel like that you had to go through a hard time like that. Is it right? So my mom died when I was 19, but that was assassinated when I was 20. So mm. I had nothing. I had to figure out how to make money. And I went to get a job for the first day. And I hated it so much. I quit in two to three hours. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, all right, this is what I need to do. And when I was 12 years old, I was making 5,000 US dollars a month. Wow. For about three years. So I was like, I make more money when I was 12 to 15 than I am at a stupid job. Wow. And both of your parents by this time were already not with you anymore? Yeah, both of them died. Wow. That's insane. I'm so sorry to hear that as well. It's okay. So what do you do as a 12-year-old in London then? Well, I was homeschooled, and what I did is I figured out how to fix people's computers and recover their data, and then also extract the viruses and remove them from broken files, repair anything. I became a wizard. It just became my obsession. When I was little, I always dreamed of being the next Bill Gates. I was like, let me study infant back computers, and I figured out things. And I would sell it to people because people need it. Like, if you got the, um, in England, but the GCSE, the A-levels, the BTEC, the IB, their coursework would get deleted because of the viruses that would have, and they would have days left. I could figure out how to get, recover any file in 24 hours. Wow. And because of that, they were paying me good money, £400, £500 at a time. Nice one. Good. I love that. So obviously you already had really, really early in life, like a understanding of demand and then offering what is asked for, basically. So when you came to America, did you feel like that was a whole different level of having to work through challenges over there? Or was it just like another level of, okay, I have to just study and apply what I know and then see where it takes me? I didn't know what I was going to do or what I wanted to stick with. I tried e-commerce and I said, the profit margins are shit. I tried online courses. I'm like, no, I don't like this at all. I, don't, I gave up before I finished the course. I hated it. And I'm like, I tried coaching and then I thought a lot of people weren't worth the time because no one would implement well, generally, most would. I wouldn't. There's a few that did, but most wouldn't. I'm like, you know what? I mean, of course, a few who didn't implement will blame you. Mm-hmm. I tell them what to do. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to do it, but we won't blame you for your uh, mistake. And I came across the agency, and I said, you know what? It's fine. It's, it's allowing me to do what I need to do so I can figure out what I actually want to do. Yeah. And I so, paid the bills, and that was it. Right. <laughs> so how do you establish yourself when you basically like leave your country because I know what I'm talking about when I say you know it's pretty hard to immigrate to any other country obviously from your home country so how was the time for you when you left the UK and moved to the US like on a well, personal probably, level it's probably different from most in the UK I had nothing left other than two friends mm-hmm. one of my friends died a couple of months after they came to the US so I literally had nothing. My entire family fucking betrayed me. My life was a wreck in London. I just wanted to leave. I needed to cut ties with it. It was so toxic that it was screwing me up. When it came to the US, I had nobody. In Indiana, because they're very, very racist, it was a struggle there. Mm. But I just kept my head down. We did it because of the green card. It's the fastest way to get my green card and visa and everything through. Mm-hmm. Because no one wants to be in Indiana. 
Yeah. Now, because of Trump, it doesn't really matter where I go, or what I did, because it doesn't make a difference. But before that, no one was being in Indiana. It went through very, very quickly. What was taking me five years, it went through in six months. Wow. Then I just basically decided I wanted to take that drive and I wanted to figure out a way to build something for myself. Right. So did your drive always just come from a place of you want to build something better for you? Or did you have something else that was kind of like your driving force? So when I was born, my hearing center in my brain actually got damaged in the, my mother's womb. Mm-hmm. And so I basically, when I, I couldn't speak to her at five, and I learned how to re, my brain rewired itself to learn how to hear and talk over the years. Wow. With it, I had to wear hearing aids for a while, even after the five, for several years. And when I was very, very young, I got picked on for having a hearing aid. Mm-hmm. I went home to my dad crying one day when I was about six, five, six years old. And he said, listen, disabilities and being normal doesn't mean anything. He said, look at me. I'm not normal. I have glasses and I have this and this and this. And he said, I'm better than everybody else. And he was the best medical researcher out there. So he said, you can become the number one. And I took that to heart since I was very little. And I always became obsessed to be number one. If you're not number one, then you, you take the lion's share if you're number one. And that's been my obsession, to take it to number one. I won't forget it. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I had something similar just with my grandpa who told me not long before he died that if I set just my mind to whatever I want to do, then I can become whoever I want to be and whatever I want to be. And yeah, it's true. And it has, it's so interesting because I never really remembered the exact event until it actually came to my mind when shit really hit the fan and I was like yeah you know this is what he said and he's right you know I just have to keep sticking through with it so yeah my favorite quote talking about hard times is the obstacle is the way the impediment to action advances action what stands in the way becomes the way yeah love Ryan Holiday my favorite quote, if you sit in the um, Stoics, is Amor Fatai. That's my number one favorite quote about everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's awesome. I had, I think I read three or four of his books already. Or be, better, I said, listening to it. Some people get wrecked up if I say reading and I actually listen to them. But um, I do have uh, also like some issues with my brain after my cardiac arrest. So... I have a little brain damage now. I basically can't read for a long time. So I read something, I basically fall asleep immediately because my brain gets over in overdrive. So I can only hear two audiobooks, but it makes me more efficient. So that's good. So walk me through a little bit. When you figure out what company to buy and how to scale them, how do you, how do you look at like what type of company to buy, where to buy them from, how to make the deal, all those type of things? So I, what I like to do when I'm buying companies is I want recession-proof companies, right? I always say to people, if the America and the economy crashes that badly, no one's going to buy online courses. I'm sorry, they're not going to buy it, right? And e-commerce, most of it's going to die. <laughs> it's not a business, it's a hobby, in my opinion. Amazon and Alibaba, et cetera, the exception, they're so freaking gigantic. But right, even then, they're going to be in trouble in that type of depression. Now, we talk about recession proof the first thing is for example what is recession proof it depends upon where you are what's recession proof in miami for example because of all the storm is very different from what's recession proof in california because of all the fires 
Right. So it's understanding what is recession proof in your area. Once you understand that and you can play with nature to your advantage, you can now start making money. Once you got that, you get the um, reach out to the business owners, get an NDA, if they open, and start looking at the financials. Mm-hmm. Before I look at financials, I want to see just basic analysis. Are we doing marketing? Yes. But then where are we marketing? Are we in the top of Google Maps? Are we doing AdWords? Are we doing YouTube ads, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, etc.? And if they're doing it, can it be improved drastically? If it can't, oh, again, I mean, I'll leave it. If it can, then I'm going to take all of it and scale it up. Right. And that's the two my I make my life as simple as possible. 80-20 to the cube. Right. I don't need to look at everything else. I want to make, what are the financials? What are the marketing? Can I go to this company? Yes, fine. Just interested. That's mm. interesting. And basically, your, let's say, system to scale would then be to drive more traffic and improve obviously all of the backends from the marketing systems, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So in hindsight, when you look back on your journey, uh, what would you say these days are entrepreneurs doing wrong in their journey to success? Or what are they not doing? The first thing that I see everyone doing is like they make life way more complicated than need be. Tell me more. Is, so I call 2020 the year complications. Everybody who wants to talk about all these processes, I run my entire life based on the 1%. What can I do to eliminate? And the other thing that that people do is they make their life complicated with the relationships they have. Right? I always say your environment is what can determine your success. Mm. Everybody wants to be feel guilty towards certain family members, towards certain friends. They feel like, oh my God, you're being narcissistic, etc. I'm like, listen. If it, you've got to ask yourself one, two questions. Do I want to give up my dreams? Uh, is you, and am I going to give up for really quick people? You want to give up for these people when you don't really want the dream. Yeah. You need to clear on your priority and your values. This lack of clarity is what everyone has. And because of the lack of clarity, we're making life very, very complicated. Right. Let's dive in a little bit more in there. So why do you think there's such a big lack of clarity, which I totally agree with. And I think people bring that upon themselves. But what do you think, where does it come from? Well, the first thing I'm going to place is from a lack of love for himself. Mm-hmm. It's a very much a lack of love for himself. I think, and this is maybe I, I get blasted a lot for this, but I'm going to say this anyway again. The most selfish people on the planet are those who do not do whatever it takes for their dreams. So for, and because your legacy is what can be left to your loved ones. Whether that's your spouse, whether that's your partner, or if you want to say partner, or it's your kids. If you're not doing the very best you can to give your kids the best opportunity in life or your partner the best opportunity if you were to die tomorrow, then what the hell are you doing with your life? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone talks about making an impact on a million people or whatever. Before you start an impact on a million people or start an impact anywhere, it starts with your family. If you're not trying to do the best for them, why the hell are you trying to change your, um, everyone else's life, a million people's life? Amen. I love it because every single day I'm... On the, I mean, we're online, so you see the social media and all of the things. I always wonder, I spend about... I want to say about an hour on social media every day, posting and then answering whatever, mostly for my podcast and stuff, you've seen it, but also just writing, you know, content that I hope that help other people. But then I see so many people who complain 
And they just complain either they think it's like controversial content and they can get engagement, whatever. And I think who has time for this shit? Who has time to talk about that and to engage with it? Like every time I see, I mean, obviously we all know people love to complain and they love to have opinions and they love to put it all out there. That's totally fine. But if everyone has an opinion on Becky and and Sally and Stefan from next door and put it out there, like we soon drown in just unnecessary bullshit out there. And I just, yeah, I think this is one way, one reason why people also have no clarity because that's all they do. They look outside all the time and they're like, what's everyone else doing? And how can I complain about that today? It's true. There's a quote from a good friend of mine, Greg Reed. He said, don't seek opinion, seek counsel. The difference of opinion is everyone else seeks an opinion while I seek counsel from those who have actually done it. Yeah. And it's so, it's so crazy to me because if everyone would just understand that their own opinion is literally just their ego speaking as a reflection of their perception to something that someone else projects on them. Now we go really deep into like all this type of metaphysics and meta psycho stuff, whatever is out there. But still, if you just, if you would see it's all just a mirror and it goes like a ping pong ball through all of society, you know, and, and no one really says anything new, like whatever your opinion is and however you think, however controversial you think you are, you're not. Like someone else would have said it already. You're not the first one and you're not any cooler than anyone else out there. You just, you just are. And that's totally cool. So what do you think is something else that these days entrepreneurs are not doing? Uh, there are two more things that I would say is very important for entrepreneurs that we're doing. One is, is they are not focused. They're not doing the work. They're trying to stick the attention. Uh, like I'm not the I haven't most people don't know what I actually do or how I work or what the price I actually pay I sit there quietly and do the work behind the scenes I'm not allowed on social media to, to put my life on display I'm just doing the work working 18, 19 hours a day every single day to hit my goals what I know within a couple of years my payout's going to be a couple hundred million I just sit there and do the work how many people actually sit there and actually try and work out the things yeah. Another thing is, and this is put by my very good friend, Brian, and a good mentor of mine, the guy's a billionaire. He said to me, and the last conversation I had about, I was asking about sales, what would he do to try and tweak something for SEO? He said, listen to me. He said, you can scale this business with no effort whatsoever. He said, the problem is, you're thinking like an entrepreneur, like a venture capitalist. And the problem with entrepreneurs is, they're fucking stupid, is what he said to me. The guy's a billionaire. He said, the reason he said he's fucking stupid is this. Big marketers, these gurus out there will say, Oh, you got to put your money to marketing. It gives you the highest ROI, two to one. Or you're three to one. And why would you not keep doing that forever? He said, here's the thing. I like to make money, but I'm happy to break even on money. And I said, what do you mean? He said, um, this. He said, as a VC, as a real estate investor, I play the long-term game. And when I do this long-term game, if I lose money on nine deals and I break even on the 10th deal, I'm fine with that. Because as long as I keep breaking even until I find that one unicorn, then I can excel everybody. That one unicorn made me multi-billion dollars. And he's like, all I need is one unicorn to change my life. Everyone else is trying to get the profits every single time and win every single time. I'm just trying to make sure that I can break even and so I can find the unicorn that can transform my entire destiny. Yeah. And I think this is something, so both of that, what you said is like super interesting. 
So focus is obviously a super big thing that I'm talking about all the time that people just don't even know what to do with it. They think that focus is this one thing that you have to either practice, which is true, you can practice it, but it's also this thing that they think it only applies to the way you work. But I always tell the people it's also about all of the things that you don't do. And it's sometimes the things that you don't do are way more important than the things that you do do. So as you said in the beginning, like when you talked about this, eliminating all of the shit that it doesn't need to be on your plate and you don't need to be out there all the time. You don't need to be on social media, whatever, like you work behind the scenes and you're way more successful than probably 95% than our network. I'm just making guesses here, but you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to be out there all the time. I mean, some people do as their personal brands or whatever, and that's totally fine if they choose to be that, but it's not a necessary thing, right? It's just one more thing added on the plate. Yeah. And there's a, another piece of advice and quote from a friend of mine who put it on Instagram once and I told him it's the best piece of advice I heard this year. That's probably the best piece of advice I heard in the last 18 months. He said, I don't care if I'm the smartest person or the dumbest person in the room. Everyone wants to be the, um, one of the smartest people in the room. All I care about, he said, is, is that I'm around the people who hold me accountable. That's the other thing. Yeah. I care about the room of accountability. I could be the smartest and not be held accountable and I could fail. But if I, I could be the dumbest, I still can fail. But if I've got people who hold me accountable, then I'm going to succeed. Yep. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a I big one. I thought it was one. one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard. That is, yeah, it's it's really a good one. So, do you have some someone who holds you accountable? I hold myself accountable because I know what I got on the line here. Yeah. Right. If if I um end up making one lose, I fucking lose everything. When you burn the boats, right, so, so to say, you have no choice but to be accountable to yourself. Yeah. Unless you want to go bankrupt. My, my gamble I took was if I mess up, I'm going to go bankrupt. If I succeed, I make over a billion dollars within three years' time. And I've already got the payout going for 500 million already, pretty much secured for three years' time. So what do you think has... So, I mean, everyone who knows me knows that I'm absolutely not a fan of the hustle and grind in the long term. I know there are going to be phases where you have to put your head down and work like the 15 or 18 hours a day. I've done that. I've done my fair share of overworking myself, which is why I ended up with a cardiac arrest and died of it. So I talk a lot about, you know, burnout prevention, stuff like that. But I think there is a fair share of misunderstanding when it comes to like working hard Plus working smart and the hustle and crying and people just can't make that distinction of it. So when you say you're working every single day, like 18 to 19 hours for quite a few years already, three, four years, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you plan to do that for a very long time? Or do you just say like, I know exactly it's like five years or this goal and then I hit it and I'll, I let it be for a while? My goal, and I said this to my wife, is to close these deals out, collect the, well, I close the deals out now, collect the payment and I'm going to retire for 90 days, take an entire break off, travel around or maybe even six months off and relax and just do nothing for six months. Just travel and see what I want to do and do what I want to do. 
I know once I get my goal clipped that, that cast, I'm gonna travel for a while. I need that VoIP. But I yeah. know that I can I can keep going no matter how long it takes because when you've got someone greater than yourself and you're serving someone greater than yourself, you can find the energy and strength. Yeah. And I know how to manipulate my body as well. Here's the thing. I don't recommend everyone else to work 19 hours a day. I know how to biohack my body enough where on a real legitimate level to keep myself safe. Like everyone talks about coronavirus. I think it's overrated personally. What no one's taking into account is when you go to somewhere like China and when people are dying in China, you're talking about their air pollution quality is shit really bad in China. You're talking about the fucking malnutrition. You're talking about so many different things in China that do not apply to the rest of the world. And it affects the body. But everyone looks at one part and they're isolated and they're like, oh my God, are they going to die? Or am I going to panic? I look at everything. If one wrong move and I screw myself up further, or my wife may even die. So I have to be extra cautious. I look at everything as a whole. Yeah. I don't look at one piece of information. I'm like, okay, if the virus is killing people, why is it killing people? What is the difference between the diets, between us and everyone else? Like, I mean... Honestly, I'm really close to the coronavirus and you can't scare the shit out of me with it. I'm one of the, maybe I shouldn't say it. Well, anyways, my parents, they don't really understand English. Hi, dad. Hi, mom. (laughs) So I don't wear a mask here. And the reason why is that I believe truly deeply and people can probably like (laughs) knock me over with their hate comments. I believe that the first thing that you need to catch the coronavirus is fear. You need to be afraid of it. If you really are afraid to catch it, you will. You will You will run into it like full head on. And the reason why is because your immune system literally is weakened because you're so afraid of it. And stress. Stress. Exactly. It's the stress. It's the, it's the fear. It's, the, it's everything that makes you already weakened. And especially because you're getting so oversensitized, cleaning all the terms of everything, not eating any food that's any dirty. I promise you, and this might sound disgusting to anyone out there, but it doesn't matter to me. I don't know if you know the five second rule, you know, like as a kid, I learned that if you truck food, like within five seconds, you pick it up, you can eat it. And we learned like, you know, my dad used to say to me, like dirt cleans the stomach, basically like translate it. And so I truly believe if you not, if you don't try to isolate yourself from all of what can hurt you, you can just become a little bit more resistant. You know what I mean? So I'm one of the people here. I don't wear a mask. Our air right now is polluted as heck more than China because we have burning season right now. So that means like forests and rice and crop fields are burned down and literally you can't even sometimes see the hand in front of your face. And so, but as you say, you know, like if you believe or if you, if you open yourself up to the possibility to catch this virus, you will. And I'm pretty sure I won't. Like, I'm very confident that I'm just going to walk out of here and be safe. Yeah. And, but I think also people don't think about a lot of things. Like, for example, you talk about viruses and opportunities in the mind. You attract what you're thinking about all the time because it's energy. Hmm. Right, and you're gonna bring in more when you start thinking about what you don't want more. Then you start bringing that in. Like I don't make enough money, while well, I'm start thinking about not making more, even more money, and the money gonna start going up faster. True. I always say, change the questions. How do you? How can I make more versus I'm not making enough? How can yeah. I make more? Yeah, exactly. It's the same as like with just complaining. Everything you complain about other people, you will keep seeing all of the things that like crack you up, and you just kind of complain more and more and more. 
But I just keep focus, like I said, put your focus into where you want to go. For mm. example, another thing is clarity again. The reason I quit to my goal system is I don't think people. Tony Robbins says you can you overestimate what you can do in a year, but underestimate what you can do in a decade. I really think people underestimate the work that they do, need to do to get anything they want. And the right plan. For example, as it comes to clarity, I like to use 49 days to hit my goals because they're 777. Yeah. And it makes sense completely every single time because I laser focus on the age area of life, one goal for each area of life, and to break it down into the absolute simple steps. And you can get anything you want. It's focused. And when you focus on the whatever you want, it expands. What you focus on expands. Yep. Aim into that. I build a whole system around this whole reverse engineering of goals and breaking them down into the smallest piece of thing you can do and whatever. And this is what I use as well for my clients and everyone out there. So yeah, I love that. You know, as you said, what you focus on expands. I love that. So before we wrap that up, um, I have two questions for you. Go ahead. First of all, uh, what does efficiency mean to you? Okay, so someone put it to me very beautifully. Productivity is bullshit because it means getting more, you to do more and it depends upon you. So efficiency is about getting everyone else to do the stuff for me. I love that, yes. <laughs> All the way. <laughs> and so if you would have to start over but you would know everything that you've done before, which would be the three things that you would keep repeating in order to get to success again? Master sales, in a way, um, for, the, for the books I know, certain sales books, is focused really on the, um, creating ways. Actually, don't forget, I don't know what that. Understand the buyer's process is what is the first point. Hmm. Everybody tries to sell through the sales process. I, I make people want to buy. For example, when I talk about the buyer's process, the only objection to sales is, I don't think this will work for me. I always say this to people, why do marriages or relationships break up? It's because the marriage or relationship no longer works for them. When you're buying a house or want to move to a house, it's going to work for you in order for you to buy it. And when you buy a car, it's going to work for you, it's not going to work for you. It's that simple. Yeah. You understand that? This is exactly if I can, my first thing is focus on understanding why it doesn't work for people. My life would be a lot easier. What's a favorite book in that regards? Do you have one to learn that? I got, so no one asks about how I don't think this will work for me. That I can myself, but in terms of a favorite book in sales, I would probably say exactly what to say by Phil Jones. Oh, good one, yeah. Because I like using the words like, what makes you say that? That's my favorite um, adjective handle. I like that one. Yeah, cool. So that's the first piece of advice I would probably give myself. The second piece, what would I give myself? Well, Get publicity. It's really changed my life. Made my life a lot easier. Get it faster and easier. And apply to all those stupid columns a couple of years ago versus now. Yeah. Because if I applied to Inc. three years ago, I would have been in guaranteed. Now I have to make my life very difficult to get in. Right. Just before all the fucking bullshit they were giving me, just to get the <laughs> So honestly, I say get publicity ASAP. I never, but here's the thing. When I say publicity, I mean trying to get contributor accounts. That's where the money is. All my deals have become as a writer, not through the features. Mm-hmm. Features may have got my trust open doors, but the contributor accounts open doors to the wealthiest community on the planet. Right. That's the second piece of advice I will give myself. And then the third piece of advice I will give myself is, is focus on clarity. Yeah, all the way. Because I struggled so much with clarity for, for probably about two and a half to three years. And mm-hmm. then I realized how I can make my life way faster and easier. I love that. 
Amy, it's been amazing. Please tell everyone where they can find you and follow you so that everyone can get as much from you and from your story as I've done in the last three years. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Amy Tarek on any of the social media platforms on there. Amazing. And as you know, people, we're going to link up everything in the show notes below. If you haven't followed me, it's at Secret Weapon to Efficiency on Instagram and you know our Efficiency on Demand podcast page. Please follow me. You will not regret it. I promise you. And you may as well be able to join his network. You never know if you bring some value to him and his friends, I guess. <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope I can, yeah, bring as much value to your life as you did to mine. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember... Slow down to speed up.